We're in Concord, New Hampshire at Litherman's Limited with one of the two founders, owners, Michael Halpley Pierce. And your partner is a little bit busy over there on a Saturday pouring beer. That's Stephen Bradbury. You guys have only been open for, what, two years? Not even, about a year and a half. year and a half been already making a big name for yourselves. The town has been really receptive, the city, I should say. We have a lot of locals that come in every Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, sometimes all of the above, and more than half of our volume is just face-to-face retail where we're actually getting to engage with the people that are drinking the beer. The other half of it is wholesale, but we only have about a dozen places that we're on draft, and so we build good, strong relationships with them as well, and they, they're great brand ambassadors for us where the... We actually just saw an untapped post last night where someone said, I'm so glad that the waitress suggested I try Misguided Angel because it's amazing. I could drink this beer all day. So it's that, it's that kind as well. It's all well and good to be on tap, but if people aren't telling your story, it's not as impactful. Are you mostly local in terms of your distribution or throughout the state? We're focused on Concord and Manchester and, and hooks it in between. We also have probably four accounts that are outside of that geographical area and generally they're places that are either really focused on local products or really focused on craft beer so we're at the local in warner which is a small family-owned restaurant with all local ingredients and he's got like six taps and we have a dedicated tap but then we're also at a couple like the flight center in nashua which is 45 minutes from here but he's got 48 taps and people go there to try new stuff they come across the line from massachusetts because it's right over the line and so it's a great way for us to get to a broader market Could you give us some background on how the brewery started, how you guys met, and the inception of Litherman's Limited? So we met probably more than 15 years ago. I was working at Home Depot. I had an office on the receiving dock in a secure cage, actually. And Steve, also known as Doc Jones, was one of my vendors. And the first time he came onto the receiving dock to sign in, because I had the sign-in list, I was playing No Effects, uh, the album White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean. And he said, this is not Home Depot music. What's going on? So we started chatting about music and decided to get together for a beer, chatted a bit over beer, started hanging out over beer more often, and then said, hey, why don't we make some music? We've both got history in making music. He'd been in a band. At that point, I hadn't been in a band, but I'd done musical theater for like, I don't know, my whole life since I was six. And he had some equipment, so he said, why don't we get together and do this just kind of crude fashion in the basement, no expectations of doing anything beyond recording for ourselves and maybe a couple of friends. And we did that for a couple of years and had a lot of fun. There was less demand for overly intellectualized, critically Caucasian, libertarian hip-hop in southern New Hampshire than I would have expected, but we really weren't. We never wanted to play shows. We, we put it on some music-sharing sites where people across the world who also recorded in their garages and didn't really share with people shared their music. And, you know, we had some fans, I guess, for lack of a better term, but we didn't want to do anything with it. We just had fun. And then he lent me a homebrew kit that he had with some ingredients and said... I've been doing this for a little while, tried this at home, have some fun, and uh, got hooked. And we started brewing together and making less music, and then it just sort of escalated from us brewing at our own respective homes and comparing notes to us brewing together in his driveway with extract, and then we were doing grain and all grain, and then we were doing 15 gallons instead of 10 gallons, and then we were doing 15 gallons back-to-back with another 15-gallon batch, and all of a sudden we're brewing a barrel, 30 gallons a weekend. And... We said, all right, well, this doesn't make sense because we're making more than we drink, and we don't really want to be just making beer to give it away. Do we want to scale this back, or do we want to reevaluate what we want to do with the rest of our lives and take this a little more seriously? We said, let's look at the numbers, and we looked at costing and projections in the state of the industry, and we both have long 15-plus year experience as business-to-business salespeople, so that piece of it was really familiar to us. 
my partner's wife is a professor of finance, so the money side of it made sense. We're both really good brewers, so the production side of it made sense. So we put our heads together and came up with a business plan and worked it through for more than a year, you know, without ever doing anything with it, just attacking it whenever we could and seeing what was left standing. And then found a location that was free. It was a friend's. And found a system that was free. It was another friend's. And neither of them were what they needed to be. So they were great sort of security blankets to get us through the transition of... I always think of Shel Silverstein and, and the rock and roll band poem about the kids in the sandbox pretending they're a rock and roll band. And whether we were going to be kids in a sandbox or whether we were going to be a rock and roll band. And the kind of that bridging that gap of being mentally kids in a sandbox to being mentally a rock and roll band, even though we weren't yet that location and that system sort of got us through that. And then we realized the spot's not going to work for a lot of reasons and the system's not going to work for a lot of reasons. So we started shopping for another spot and we started shopping for another system. We found this place after about 45 places that we looked at. And this is a sort of industrial area in Concord on the border of Bow yep. by the Merrimack River. Yep. So it's not necessarily picturesque, but it's not like, I don't know, it's not I'd say Newark, New Jersey, Industrial Park, ugly where it's industrial as far as the eye can see. The river is 100 yards away. This is how Smutty Nose started, yeah. in the same kind of location. Absolutely. And we're close to two major highways converge and go from five total lanes to two total lanes. So on days like today when people are going to the mountains to ski or to swim or to go to their camp or they're going up to Vermont, they're going to pass right by us. And if they hit traffic, they get off three-tenths of a mile from us and they Google Brewery. And we're the closest thing. And we have days where our whole tasting room is just filled with people who've never been there before because they're tired of traffic and they wandered digitally and they wandered here. And then they say, oh, great, you're here. We do this trip once a week, once a month, once a quarter, once a summer. You're now part of our routine. And they come back every time they come through. Well, that's the first time we visited your brewery. That was the, the case. And it was full. We couldn't even get in. So we had to come back the next time. We appreciate you doing that. Hopefully this uh, expansion, which we're actually standing in the only quiet place in the brewery right now, which is the undeveloped expansion side, this will alleviate some of that pressure. Our occupancy will get closer to 100, our capacity. We've doubled our capacity since we opened. Describe your initial system and what you're going to be stepping it up to. So we bought a three-barrel system, which is just about 100 gallons, give or take. We can sometimes get four barrels out of it if it's a lower alcohol beer and our fermenters are kind of a hodgepodge of stuff that really is, for all intents and purposes, three or four barrel fermenters. And our bright tank is also a, a, almost five, but it's not big enough that we can double batch into it. So for all intents and purposes, we have a three or four barrel system. But we've recently bought three different tanks, the two that are right behind us, which are seven barrel conicals. And then we also have a seven barrel, what's called a uni tank, which is a, both a fermenter and a bright tank all in one. So it's jacketed, it'll hold pressure, you can carbonate it, you can ferment in it, you can do just about everything you do to beer from after you brew it before you package it in that one tank. So those will give us another 50 to 100% capacity. Right now we're doing six or seven barrels a week, two brew sessions. We're going to go to three and double batch into these. And if we need to, we'll start double batching twice a week. And eventually we'll upgrade our brew house to a seven-barrel brew house. That's the next thing, but that's a significant chunk of change. So, incremental. We've been really careful and not accrued any new debt since we opened our doors at all in 17 months. So, can't continue that trend forever, but we're being as careful as we can to just use money that we already have. And for the beers that you brew, do you have a, what you consider a flagship brew? I know right now in the tap room, heavy on the IPAs, but also some really interesting sours and a gruit. 
So do you just do you rotate through different things, or are there certain things that are always going to be on tap here? There are things that are going to be on for a while. Longevity, I think. We, had, we thought we had core beers, but we find that the market changes so much and our tastes change so much that we have to be a little bit responsive. So Bow Wow, which has always been one of our, I would say, flagships, is probably going to not get bottled ever again. We did our last bottling run on it. We have no more labels. We're still going to brew it, but it might go away for a month before it comes back in the tasting room. Might not see it on draft anywhere else. Misguided Angel is definitely our big seller right now. That's our New England-style IPA. And of the two brew sessions we do every week, one of them is Angel, and one of them is everything else. That's kind of what we're getting known for because we're pushing it on draft as well. It's, it's what people are looking for. Although I think in six months the case may be different. There's not a lot of it being brewed in New Hampshire for New Hampshire, strangely enough. Vermont's got a lot of rock star New England-style IPA breweries. Maine does. Massachusetts does. New Hampshire's got some great breweries, but I think there's only a few that have any kind of foothold that are doing the New England-style IPA. I see a lot of the new breweries that I see their posts on Facebook before they even open, and they're putting up their test batches, and they are hazy, hop-forward, water chemistry like a New England-style IPA, but they haven't really hit the market yet, so we still have a lot of opportunity. After the expansion, you're just going to take it as it comes, or do you guys have bigger plans for further expansion? Well, we have about 22 months left on this lease. We incorporated the old lease and the new lease into one so it's all tied into one piece of paper which is just easier i don't know at the end of that we're going to kind of have to see where things are i honestly think that today's september 2nd right so september 2nd and next year we're going to be saying wow we i who'd have thought that in a year we had maxed this space out and i think we're going to have the winter which is traditionally beer selling heavy to sort of regroup and figure out what we're going to do next. The space, the next unit over, which is actually both of these, this is 15, that's 15, that's 3,000 next door. That's going to be available within the next three or four months. I don't know if my landlord's going to keep it as a month-to-month with whoever's there so that we can sign a lease when we want it. I don't know if we want to do that either. We don't have pitched floors in the other units. The parking's not going to get better. It's okay, but as we get to the point where we have 100 cars, we're not going to be able to fit 100 cars here if we have 200 people here. I I just don't know. Electricity becomes a problem. I mean, not a huge problem, but is there enough juice in the shell to do what we need to do? Right now we're an electric brew house, so once we go to some kind of gas fire, either boiler or direct fire, we're going to open up 70 amps of service. But it's all those little things that you have to look at as you're expanding. Even this space, just is there enough electricity in this space for what we're going to put in it? It's going to be tight. So I I don't know where we're going to go from here. I'd like to say that we're going to build a brewery, when that this is... This is the 1.5, what we're doing right now, and that 2.0 is going to be a fresh start. We love our landlord. We love our location, but I think I'd like to be paying down a building. And I I see breweries that have opened up with a unit on either side open and a short-term lease and a long-term lease, and they they know that when the property's paid off, they have that as an asset for the business as well. So we're trying to look a lot of different ways right now. What can you tell us about the craft brewing scene in New Hampshire and how it's developed over the past couple of years, and we hear a lot about, you mentioned Vermont breweries and a lot about Maine breweries, and of course New Hampshire has Smutty Nose and Red Hook, East Coast is based here, but you don't hear a lot about the smaller craft brewers. I mean, you a little bit of White Birch, but uh, Stoneface, is, that doesn't get down to New York, or I don't know if it gets outside New Hampshire very much, but it, more and more it seems to be there's a, 
more happening in New Hampshire on that front. What can you tell us about how that's developing? Well, because New Hampshire is one of the few states that has legislation that allows people to open what we call here a nanobrewery, which is a much less expensive license, and it allows a lot of things that most states don't allow any breweries to do, including self-distribution, growler fills at the brewery, selling tastings without having to call it a tour. There's all kinds of things that that legislation in New Hampshire has allowed us to do. So the average brewery size in New Hampshire is a lot smaller than most states. But in addition, because the feds allow New Hampshire a lot of oversight on legislation, because they have a pretty robust liquor oversight body, that a lot of breweries that are in New Hampshire are only in New Hampshire because they don't have to submit labels to what they call COLA or Certificate of Label Authority with the federal government. They don't have to submit recipes and ingredient lists to the federal government. The feds say if you're staying in your state under a certain size and you're not crossing state lines, you don't have to send us anything. We're going to let the state take care of all of that. And the state, although it's more strict in some ways, does not have oversight over labels and ingredients like they don't, they're not obstructionist about those things the way the federal government can be. So there's a lot of breweries that say, I'm never leaving the state. I'm going to build my brewery here and we're going to have deep roots and not wide roots. And that's kind of how we're approaching things because it's easy. When I need to get a label approved, I send it off to the state and they get back to me within like a week. And when I want to put something on tap in the tasting room, I send off a submission and I usually have a response within the same day or the next day. So they don't, you know, they take good care of us. I don't want to have to go to federal oversight. What happens when the federal government shuts down for 45 days? The last time that happened, there were so many breweries that had labels in the queue for seasonal beers that were already bound for package because they're booked out a year and a half. They know what they're brewing next September to the day. That beer either made it to the market late and missed the timeliness of the seasonality or it didn't make it to the market at all because it sat hot for three weeks and it was an IPA or something. So we have it a lot easier here, and I think that's why you don't see so many New Hampshire breweries is because they're so small and they stay in state. New Hampshire, I think, has the second or maybe the first or second highest per capita beer consumption in the United States. Well, that's skewed because I think a lot of people come to New Hampshire to vacation. and it still counts. It does, for sure, <laughs> but I don't know if those are people that have New Hampshire zip codes. It's Not that I don't know plenty of people who could contribute to that, but... <laughs> We constantly have variety. So if you've been here once and you feel like you've tried everything, if you come back six weeks later, we'll probably have mostly new beers. We have, as we said, four or five that we do frequently and have almost all the time. But we did 70 beers in our first year, 7-0, and we're probably going to do 40 this year. So we are always having new stuff. And sometimes it's a small batch. Like today we put on an eight-gallon batch of an IPA dry hop with hops that I grew in my yard. And it's kind of, it's like, oh, well, I probably spent... 40 hours cultivating and watering and it's going to get sold in like two and a half hours but it's cool it's little stuff like that that we still have the luxury of doing because we are just a three barrel setup so so there's always something new waiting at Litherman's Limited Michael thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us about Litherman's Limited which is located in Concord New Hampshire right by the intersection of Route 89 and Route 93 so very easy to get to very easy to find if you haven't been here you should come find it Check it out at litherman's.beer, and you can see pictures and what's currently on the rotation and uh, maybe some ideas of what's coming up in the near future. Cheers. Thank you very much.